Hey there, Bulls and Ghouls. Welcome to this week's episode of Hollow Weekly. Nick and George here on a Monday, knowing Joe Bob's not going to air on a Friday and life sucks. That's true. The last drive-in lived up to its name for a minute. It has been a really good season. It's really good watching something that's the people who are making it. It's so known to them, like so second nature, so mm-hmm. habit. Joe Bob has been doing this for so long in its various incarnations, but also still tweaking it, still making it fresh, still because this season feels a lot different than the first season. Right, I, like something this this old concept shouldn't be changing this much between seasons. But this season was kind of emotional. I love everyone on that crew. Yeah. In fact, you know, you know how I know. Um, so, like, I don't think I watched like the first big couple ones that he had before, like the series. Sure, came out. Sure, um, like I was excited to get to them and all that stuff. But when we started like building the habit of watching it yep. over the weekend, I was like, okay, this is great. This is great. But it was the last episode of season one. Where they did Prom Night 2. Yep. And I, I I remember working on like film sets and being like, you know, when I'm a director one of these days, I'm going to do this big thing to give a crew shout out, you know, dreaming big. Like, it'd be great because everyone works so hard because I was a PA and that's the lowest of the low. So you're thinking hot. <laughs> and then the ending of season one, they fucking did it. Yep. They had they did the, the cute ass little prom thing. Yep. And then they, they shout out the whole crew. And like, I got like super emotional watching because like, you saw the camaraderie yep. on this thing. And I think season two, like they went in with that energy and just totally. fucking nailed it. Totally. And you know, what's really cool about that is it, cause you just articulated half the one half that I was missing on what I was trying to explain was, you know, so the, the casts in Ed Wood productions also had camaraderie, but the movies right. were terrible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when quality or someone's working at a high level matches that, and then you get to see the camaraderie behind the scenes and they're doing really, really good work and they kind of feed off each other because the power of that, you don't get to see those things presented in real time. Most of the time, right. most of the time you watch a David Fincher movie and then you watch a documentary about the making of it 10 years later and you realize the cast was having a great time, but you don't know the cast was having a great time while you're watching the movie right. with Joe Bob. You watch he, that prom night episode was great. Mm-hmm. He was on all cylinders, the, the trivia, the intro, the, tri- the fact that they went with that movie itself the explanations he gave in between, like all of it. He's working at such a high level and Darcy's doing great stuff. And then to have it get emotional, like, or do something really cool at the end of it, after you just experiencing something really good, makes it so cool. And the fact that he did it again at the end of this season. Like, I love that that's the trend. It's like you end it on well, like I'm this. I'm not sure Frogtown matched up well, the no, 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 Not the movie. <laughs> no, Frogtown, Frogtown. So like... I like we we watched the first movie, yeah, and then and then Frogtown came on, and I was like, I'm a my friends are online playing games. I'll play with them, and I'll have this on the second monitor. And then I just kept like looking over at the monitor, going, "Is the shit I'm seeing really, really going down?" Yes. Uh, but no. But then after that, him ending it on this like, it it sort of reminded me of like whenever I see these like, like Rod Sterling kind of quotes, like 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 they're touching on like. 
it's just a very emotional ending that yes. you don't get in any other you know at the end of creep show the creeper's not gonna come up there and be like by the way boys and girls <laughs> right, right. times might be tough but exactly you right. know there was no there's no there's no message like that and it's really hard to do something as emotional it's weird to be talking about the last drive and talking about how emotional no it isn't even starting to get weird when you hear what i'm about to say go, um go but it but it's it's easy for them people to do something like that and it feels ham-fisted and yes. it's sort of like oh my like whenever like those like those celebrities come out with a video not like they did that last one yes, they were taking yes. accountability for racism that's like, the just, opposite of yeah, what you want you're right? like like i don't like i just see right. actors who like want to just have their image on screen for more time like if you want to feel if you want to do change just do the fucking change like yep. we believe you yep and but when he talks um like about like the the season one was the problem they giving a shout to the crew mm-hmm. and and the fact that like they had they had the the, the few drive-ins come out and then the, the season one and it was like super successful like yep. that celebration at the end like it, we were just talking about Star Wars celebration yeah. like it felt kind of like that like it this totally is like did thing. everyone gets a medal and but but in, in season two uh, hearing about the ride that he's been on like I was almost thinking like they should just make a movie right, right. <laughs> about his journey because the way he was talking about it was totally. so story like and and it and was moving. so interesting and like you know we we had a side podcast of this podcast called Criterion which was classic movies but Criterion Collection was the category for that, right. right so the movie that Joe Bob's tells the story at the end of the, the metaphor for the thing where he goes like, I I can only tell this through the plot of a movie is Sullivan's Travels, which is a Criterion Collection film, right? So it kind of butts up against this podcast because, I mean, that's if, if, if you picked a movie from the Criterion Collection, we're automatically going to like you. We did a whole podcast on it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was explaining that kind of through the metaphor of a movie, first of all, it's perfect perfect for him being like the movie obsessed. Mm-hmm. Like it's like he's made out of movies, right? Like it's his fundamental ingredient. Yes. That was also right? great. That, but the the other thing is that there's a real sadness to what he does, right? Like, mm-hmm. and he's honest with it. He's like, there's this melancholy tone underneath a lot of what he does, which is it. It really, in a weird way, it reminds me of of uh, of Elliot in uh, Big Lebowski, the the mustache cowboy. Oh yeah, yeah, character, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because there's a sparseness or a sadness in the thing, and the when he was like. So here, you know, it makes me sad. I love The Last Drive and it's continuing. And he's like, when I look back on my journey, like, I thought I was going to do something with my life. <laughs> like, write a book or, right. you know, do whatever. But I, I'm just doing The Last Drive. <laughs> like, whatever. And the fact that he's be honest about, I'm still, he's, he's, I think his skeptical side is the thing I like the best. And he's skeptical even of himself. Mm-hmm. And he's skeptical even of this nostalgic moment while the moment's happening, right? And I think that is like, it's ma- it's a magical moment because even when he gets happy, like he's a little sad, and it makes it interesting, right? Yeah. Instead of just someone celebrating at the end of something, it's not yeah. nearly as sad as I couldn't remember if it was in in uh, best worst movie, the Troll Two documentary. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there that guy who was like, "I've done nothing with my life, and yes. I'm okay with that." The guy, who played <laughs> the, guy who played the grandfather in Troll Two. Oh, that was super heartbreaking. And then it flashed at the end when they were doing catch up, and they were like. They're doing this and they're doing that. And you're like, he's retired. <laughs> he's still, he's yeah. still there. It's not nearly as sad as that. Guy's, no, it's not as sad as that guy's. Life. No, it's just the tone. It's yeah. tonal, but it's, it's the, it's the kind of thing that makes like blues music what it is. Right. Like it's, it's just, it's honest. An, yeah. There's an added tone in there and he's, he's, he's got it and it's so natural to him and it's really interesting to watch. Yeah. And that, I think that's part of, it takes him by surprise because he's more interesting to watch 
than I think he would guess he would be. <laughs> right. Right. From his own skeptical side. Right. He's probably in his, in his heart. He's probably like just a cowboy out here talking shit about boobies, <laughs> like, you know, whatever, like, but it, it's, he's, he's interesting by default and his choices were interesting. Like they picked Heather's. I think season, that was one was... of the craziest, most awesome choices ever because right? I mean, we've ran hollow weekly for like what, three or four years now. And like anytime you post something that's like, well, it used to be this way, but we had a, Luckily, we had a more the audience. Right. If it's not 80 slasher, it's not horror. <laughs> right. You know, right. so the fact that he would do something like Heather's yep. and like educate the people like, hey, listen, this is a fucked up movie. Right. And it was going to be even more fucked up. Right. <laughs> but they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow it. <laughs> right. So give this shit a shot. Right. And the fact that I think one of the things that's fascinating is so any anyone who's who's like into film or artistic things in kind of a, a certain way will recognize the list, you know, feeling like you right. love a good list. You want to put things in a hierarchy. What was the best jump scare? What was the best? And you, you're built into this, you know, this listing feeling, you know, whatever. And you can tell with Joe Bob that he respects influence influence is something he really respects like mm-hmm. the things that influence things in ways that he respects that he thinks make things and you could tell that he respected what heathers did going forward even right. after the release of the movie right and maybe the secret category in his head of last drive-in is because it was never just horror movies obviously because b movies are never just horror movies mm-hmm. you've got bad thrillers and bad you know action movies and bad like you know whatever so he was it was never just a pure horror proposition anyway <laughs> right so he didn't really have to explain it that much but i think his secret thing is influence in there i think he right. loves that and when he goes back and talks about movies like what was your date movie like deadbeat by dawn or something like that they did this year oh the the one yeah, Deadbeat by Don, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, right, like even when he was talking about that, he was talking the about Dayton. the influence that how they were influenced when they were making. You're watching this to my eyes, pretty shitty movie where like some terrible things are happening and they're terribly <laughs> as someone, filmed. As someone who's worked with crew members <laughs> of that film, sorry. No, I mean it's crazy. Like he was naming like people like Mike King, who like I've worked with. Oh, he, named, he named who's a cinematographer in Dayton. He named Wright State at the dropout rate That's that true. I'm a percentage of. You know, and I'm one of the I'm one of the more successful people out of that program. Oh, that's true. That's <laughs> so, true. well, and well, that's the thing is, and the fact that he would give that amount of background and w- track what the influence is means that I think that's part of what really excites him about about art and movies and talking about them, right? right. And I respect that because it, it gives him a through line. He's always going to be passionate about that, which is cool, which is really cool. I mean, there's not a part of the of the of the program that like I don't look forward to. Right. Like Agreed. the opening monologues can be great, yep. and 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 some some of the movies like if they are as bad as Deadbeat by Dawn, I'm looking forward to the intermissions with him. <laughs> right. I was like, okay, so explain to me why I needed to see this, and then he delivers. He gives you a story, and you go, oh, that guy did all of his stunts totally. hanging out of a window. Totally. <laughs> like, okay, that's crazy. So totally. now moving forward, when he does something crazy, totally. like I have this information. Now, in in all honesty, right? Like in in honor of Joe Bob. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that he was born to be an interviewer, <laughs> right? So the interview right. segments, I feel like I don't know about these sometimes. I don't know if I'm always looking for. I'm always looking forward to the interview because the funny thing is he's such an organic, you know, real like person. You can mm-hmm. even see it in real time. And I think 
part of what's really amazing about Last Drive-In is it feels like it, it's it's real and it could get really real fast. Like it feels like it could just break. Right. It feels like the camera could cut out mm-hmm. for two minutes or like something could, you know, could happen, like whatever. And it's not about their professionalism. It feels like... Maybe they could be. They would be so focused on something really important over here, they would just miss something fundamental mm-hmm. over here, and that could still happen with them. It makes them interesting, right? That 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 they're not so prepackaged and so preplanned and so prepolished that nothing dangerous could ever happen. And like, there's a, there's a few few times when he's interviewing someone, like you can see him start to smirk, and I'm like, oh, this is way more interesting than anything else. <laughs> Because any other interview is like, right. so when you were filming Sleepaway Camp 12, <laughs> you know, it's a boring question. But he, the way he, the way he uh, has a conversation with. Well, I think that I think all of that is good. The the reason that it makes me win sometimes is I feel like um, that for some reason I don't know why he's really gifted at reading movies, but I'm not sure how good he's at gifting gifted at reading people in real time as they speak, <laughs> because there's a lot of times that they're about to get to the most interesting part of a thing. And he just says something movie related and blasts it out like away <laughs> and they never get to the end of the story. And I don't think he notices that they never got to the end of their story. Like, I don't know how that works. I think he's just an enthusiast. Right. right? But it's, 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 it, I think it's, it's, to me, it's a part of the show that might get better, but to mm-hmm. me, it's also part of the thing that makes it feel really real, which is probably part of what makes a big, big part of what makes it special. Right. Let me ask you this, and you might not know this off the top of your head, but like out of season two, what yeah. was the most enjoyable film? So, um, I is there one? Is there one? I that think the out? most enjoyable film to me was Hellraiser two, yeah. and I think that was just because I loved. In that one, funny. It's funny you mentioned that one because in that one, I not only did I love the movie, I love how they fought for the movie, where they did. I I actually love the interview segment mm-hmm. in that one, um, and I I just found Ashley Lawrence and and um, uh, Bradley fascinating in in terms of their byplay with each other and kind of in that atmosphere. They right. they were almost talking in hushed tones, like they were in a monastery. It was weird. It was creepy. It felt like Pinhead was lurking somewhere behind them, you know, yeah. like, like in the background. Like his or PR whatever. rep. He's like, right. don't say the wrong thing. Don't <laughs> right. say the wrong thing. But it was, they were talking quieter than they've done in other mm-hmm. episodes where I'm like, you know, are they trying not to alert like the demons? He <laughs> gave it a spookyish vibe, which I really appreciated. So I actually loved all of that. And I, I love the Heathers episode. I love Heathers it. Was I thought good. that was fantastic. What about you? So. You're going to say this fucking trauma's war, aren't you? No. Okay. I think Dead is a Dead Heat. Dead Heat. Oh, yeah. That would have I been think, my other. I think so. I think Dead Heat's my number two. Yeah. I think Dead Heat was really fun, really interesting. And it's yeah. so weird because uh, who's the guy that was in it? He's like a politi- political dude now. What's his fucking name? Uh, the, the the jacked sidekick. Yeah. yeah I Joe Piscopo. Yeah. Joe, Joe Piscopo. After yeah. watching that movie, I started seeing him pop up in places, but like it was, but it was like political shit. And then you're like, Oh no, Joe Piscopo. Oh man. But then like, he would say some dumb shit, but like he kind of has that voice and that look to himself. You're like, I kind of forgive you, but like your views kind of suck, but like dead heat was pretty cool. So I don't know how I feel about myself right now. No, that's but that's, I think, so this is the reason why I think I, am so enamored with the last drive-in yes is because of the hellraiser 2 hellbound i've never been a hellraiser guy right never ever been a hellraiser guy never got into it in fact whenever i think of things that make me like i I forget who it was someone from like 
Play Disgusting talked about like wasting your money on Disney stuff. And then I was like, but horror fans buy pinhead bobbleheads right. at horror conventions. <laughs> right. And for some reason, pinhead was, unfair. was went, yeah. he was unfairly the target of my head. Sure. Because I just, I, for some reason, I never got into Hellraiser. So for, unfortunately, Doug Bradley, and, right. that, was the first, <laughs> that was it. Right. Which, you know, was, which was, wasn't really fair, to be honest. But because of Hellraiser 2 Hellbound... Well, and, and and to give context, your age bracket is the age bracket that missed all of that. You were just after Hellraiser, like, blew up, right? That was not... Well, even, even growing up, like, with knowing the 80 slashers, like I did, like, Jason, Freddy were always the first two, sure. and then followed for me for Michael, and then, then it would go to, like, Leatherface, and then by that time, Saw was coming out, so it'd be Jigsaw, right. and, you know, all these That's other... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, missed. so... It was like a blind spot from a car. Yeah, it's, right. it's like if he was if I was a lifeguard and yeah. someone was drowning, it was I wouldn't see it. Like exactly. you, you know that test where totally. you show a video, they're like someone's drowning in this video. I'm like I don't see anyone. And just <laughs> pinheads like fucking help, help. I'm like, well, he's got metal in his head. He's heavier. Than <laughs> he's, 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 gonna, he's gonna sink a little more. <laughs> well, maybe not as much as Leatherface. I don't think that dude knows how to. He's chew also food. punctured, so he's probably leaking. That's right. Right. Uh, so so that that's how I always viewed Hellraiser. Yeah. In fact, I remember my dad watching Hellraiser and. I remember telling him, like, oh, I think it's too much for me at this age. But really, I was just bored. Right. Because it, it wasn't like a nightmare. You were just trying to get out of it. Yeah. I was just trying to get out of it. So I never really gave it a second shot. We did watch Hellraiser eventually. Yep. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is a good movie. Yep. I still don't know if Hellraiser is my favorite thing. Yep. But fucking Hellraiser 2, Hellbound, sold the shit out of it. And I think, I think prim- the most of it was him talking to uh, Doug Bradley um, and the lead actress's name is Ashley Lawrence. Ashley Lawrence. Yep. I'm new to the, I'm new to the, new to the franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and, and two, I think I do, he was saying that some people think it's a better movie. And I know you think the first one's probably. I I, I think the I think it's I can see the argument for both. I just I think the first one's a little bit better. And, I, and see what's weird is I agree with you, but I think there's more memorable scenes. And definitely too. But I'm telling you, after this, but it's like the difference between Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Right, I mean, it's you're comp- almost comparing apples to oranges. Exactly, which is where, different. which is funny because I, I think we would flip on that. I like Evil Dead one, right, a little more. Um, but I'll be honest, dude. Ever since the last drive-in season finale happened, I went on <laughs> the Hellraiser rabbit hole, dude. You did. One, I started. One, I loved. I loved that scene when uh, the crazy dude uh, Chard, was on the was Dr. on the bed. Well, oh. I lo- I loved the him transforming into a Cenobite. Yes. Like, I still think that's probably one of the most dopest fucking lines in a horror movie I've ever heard and to think I hesitated. Yep. Like, and what's funny is, is that line like burned into my brain. Like you, like for like the week, like I don't think we, like yeah. I, like well, you were gone, I'd be in the kitchen just like getting water and shit like that and I just would think of that line and get sick to my stomach. I'm like, some fucking <laughs> asshole thinks that that's good <laughs> that you want to be one of those fucking freaks. Ugh. Ugh. And, and he's so sure about it. Yeah. I would be like, no fucking way, that's dude. Amazing. I'm going to the opposite place of this. I'm going to in and out I don't give totally. a fuck. I'm getting out of here. And, but that, that and that it, is so interesting. That and it, it made me so enamored with the idea. And that fucking made me enamored with the idea of the Cenobites. Yep. So then I'm yep. going down the fucking Cenobite rabbit hole, yep. learning about Chatterbox uh, and all the other fucking yep. crazy, the chick with the throat and the fat dude. Um, you haven't even gone down the Nightbreed rabbit hole. Which, no! Which will happen next. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. So 
<laughs> then I'm watching all this Hellraiser stuff, yep. and I'm, I'm uh, and I'm buying the world and the music. Oh, I've even I think it was like two days after that I loaded up the the soundtrack to Hellraiser mm-hmm. two on my phone, and I was like, oh, I, 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 you, before I go to bed, I usually make cold brew, so right. it brews for like eight to twelve hours, and then I'll wake up, I like got a big fresh pot of cold brew, yep. and I, I went to go go make it, and I'm pouring the water, and I'm listening to the soundtrack, and then I just went, I have to fucking stop, <laughs> like I cannot continue, like like if it's scaring so me, good. like yep. and like we were talking about this, there's there's few things in this world that like yep. will make me be like, you know what? From horror films, like I gotta stop, and the soundtrack was one of them. The Regan's face yep. is one of them, yep. and Hellraiser Two Hellbound soundtrack, and that that noise they use, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that bing, yep. that noise, those three and things. The degloving from Gerald's game. Yeah, yeah. the degloving from Gerald's <laughs> game. Yep. yep. And so I just I just fell down this rabbit hole, and then I watched this video of Pinhead throughout all of his uh, incarnations, incarnations yeah. even like on Simpsons episodes, and yep. then um, what was interesting about that and is seeing how Pin has been portrayed and how it's just progressively got worse. But then on the very last one, they sort of got one thing right. Here's real quick. Here's how you do Pinhead right. This is from my research from a new fan of Hellraiser. One, yes. one, they have to come in with the force of a hurricane. Okay, you can't just have Pinhead running around doing shit. Mm-hmm. They have to come in there. There's got to be wind. There's got to be fog. There's got to be lights coming through the door. Yep. Number two, you got to modulate his voice, but not a lot. <laughs> That's the key thing. Okay, they modulated in the first one. They still did in the second one, and then they went down <laughs> consecutively. Down, 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 down. And then until they did Judgment, which I think is the last one, they remodulated his voice, but they didn't do the wind. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. So for future filmmakers, I'm taking notes. This is <laughs> That's all you got to do. Lights through the cracks of the wall. Right. wind fog right. and it's gotta be kind of dark which they didn't too by having him in the cool chain room right i totally agree and you know what's kind of blowing my mind right now is you, you know w- part of the magic of pinhead was his look obviously is the thing that drove the popularity and and how sticky that concept was where you couldn't get out of your head mm-hmm. but it was that voice and that calm delivery and the authoritative delivery that made him so quotable and really put him into that top tier of of icons when you combine the look with that. You needed that. Right. For him, you needed that. Like, Michael doesn't need to say anything, obviously, for that. Mm-hmm. But, like, he just his look alone wasn't going to get him to Michael Myers later level. But when you tie it together with that smooth that calm delivery like it's 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 a perfect thing right so you that his voice is really important and what's blowing my mind right now is when when a i mean there are a thousand franchises littered on the side of the freeway that never got anywhere that never pulled that off once and Mm -hmm. they did it with pinhead once but this franchise did it twice because you're hearing Dr. Chenard's line in your head over and over and over Even again. the Like iconic, game. just like iconic moment that just stuck with you, like whatever. So that means they did it with Pinhead once, then they did it to you again. That's two in one franchise. And I think, I think that part of the reason why I like Hellraiser 2 a little more is it felt kind of like a video game where yes. like you have these enemies like the Cinnabites and some weird shit. Yeah, you even had like a God's eye view of them like like you would in a video game. And, like an amazing Yes, and then, but then but then they throw in like the even bigger bad at the end with the Doctor and just like, oh, like that scene is, aside from his like dance that he does when the Leviathan, I think that's yeah. what it's called, yeah. is stuck in his brain. It kind of reminds me of when uh, Harry Marv or Harry's getting shocked in Home Alone too. Like it kind of looks totally like that. Does. So it kind of cuts totally, out. But everything before that, the, like the look he gives down, like like yeah. he just has this look of disgust. Oh, in the shot when he's getting into that little thing and the wires come down, and she goes and she's talking through the ah, all this and all this totally. fucking awesomeness is because 
Joe Bob. <laughs> right, exactly. Like he, yeah. he made right, me exactly. a believer. Right. Joe Bob made me scared of hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, because so. I would be listening to the soundtrack and yep. thinking about the Cenobites. And I, I would start thinking about how Clive Barker envisioned hell. Yep. And it made me like sick to my stomach. And I wouldn't have had that awesome feeling nope. if they didn't fucking show And it. here's the thing. If, if we went back in a time machine. Right. And we watched Hellbound and Hellraiser 2 at that exact same time of day. But we had only watched the movie, you and I together. You wouldn't feel this way. Nope. You had to get it through Joe Bob. Nope. <laughs> There's a certain yep, kind of yep. movie that you have to get through a Joe Bob-like experience. And then it's like super magical that way, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it was for Prom Night 2. Yes. Right? Because you need someone to guide you a little in the appreciation. Not, not what to appreciate. Right, you don't have to take his recommendations on whether this is a great scene or a great performance mm-hmm. or great whatever. Like, make up your own, your own mind. But it, it's not—it's not him pointing out the things to appreciate. It's being open to the idea of appreciating something that should, by all surface appearances, be fucking terrible or disappointing or boring based on your like the Hellraiser franchise. You didn't like the look of. You missed the the the, the, the heyday of it. Mm-hmm. So it was just like some past franchise it would be like telling someone now oh my god you should go watch all the other king kong movies like mighty joe young and right. king kong jr like why would i do that mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's past i missed the moment right i mean honestly like <laughs> i if you, i mean if you'd ask me like are you a fan of clive barker and i'd be like uh, kind of like there was a video game clive barker's jericho that came out that i really liked yep. but anything past that probably not right now now i'm singing a different tune yep exactly right but and but you would have liked Hellraiser too, if you'd watch it, but with I would, me, but no. not through Joe Bob. But it wouldn't be like this, and that's you wouldn't no. be down a Hellraiser rabbit hole doing all this stuff. No, and I wouldn't and, be able to know how to accurately portray Pinhead. No, 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 exactly. <laughs> totally. And right, exactly. And he and he is so good at that, and that is such a service to like a fan base that that catches it and 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 pays attention to it because but, no, there's not a lot. Of, there are other people who could do that. I mean, there's people, some people just have a knack. You don't know why. That's why I like the guy who hosted the inside the actor studio hosted it for 50 years. Because yeah. you just had a knack for doing it. Like the guy from TCM, Robert Osborne, remember he would like, come on. He would just, he would just like name a movie. Uh-huh. He makes me sleepy personally, but like, it, it's a calming voice though it is a calming voice but you and you're gonna pick up a thing or two from that his cadence right but it's talking. part of the experience some people introduce things and it's not part Team of the experience TMC just has they can make anything feel old <laughs> <laughs> they can just, like I swear to god the they C- just made this episode feel old because I brought the up the CEO <laughs> of, <laughs> is, is a word is original <laughs> you know what I mean totally, totally. that's you it you know what I mean yeah totally but like you know what's funny is we were uh I think we were doing something for Cryferian and I ended up watching, or maybe we were just talking about movies and I watched, uh, Martin Scorsese and Roger Ebert's best film of the nineties. Yes. And it's a really cool f- countdown. Yes. And the one thing that I, that I noticed that Martin Scorsese said in every single pick was it's a human story. It's yep. a, it's a human picture. Yep. And that's what Joe Bob does for the, these these films yeah. is like he gives you the human story yeah. behind the film. And right. I think that is, if not equal, maybe even a little more sometimes interesting than the film itself. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, one, one thing he did, cause sometimes he's unintentionally hilarious. Right. So, and one of the things he did that was hilarious to me was one of my favorite moments from season two was 
he was talking about Exorcist 3, which I should also mention was a favorite episode. Like, Dude, that's amazing. I, I know remember, we're, we're a little Exorcist 3 out, but it was still an amazing episode. Yeah. No, I... What were you going to say? You we remember? made these crustless pizzas, and they were really good. And then Alex was gone, and I was like, ooh, Joe, I was on H1 Exorcist 3? I was like, what if I made a whole fucking pan of this pizza? I didn't spray it. And so all the cheese looked at the so I just ate hot toppings, and I was really disappointed. And then I got spooked out from Exorcist 3. It was a terrible fucking night. I got I was scared and hungry. Not one of your favorite episodes, bro. <laughs> no, I had, Joe Bob was my only comfort. There, yeah. That well, Exorcist night. 3 is still, it was one of the very few movies from there that could still terrify you. Caught, yeah, it's caught, still unsettling. Caught in the you don't right think it is, movie. but then by the end of it, you're like... Oh, I feel something different. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a that's a movie that stays in the room with you for. Anyway, for I didn't mean to cut you. <laughs> no, no, I, I wanted to know, but so the the thing is, there was this moment in this movie when it cuts back from one of the transitions. Like, obviously, when it cuts back from the famous jump scare scene, he tells you all the info about the jump scare and all that stuff, like like you would do, right? Then it cuts back from this one moment, and he's talking, he's talking, and then he just kind of rambles to a stop, mm-hmm. and then he goes, "I should mention the score." There's no score. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the, the funny thing is, he, the I think I should, it's like the framework like a good guest would have, like a good host would have. Like if you're hosting a party, like I should have this for my guests and make sure the bathroom's clean and make sure I have like, you know, food and like whatever. Like he's making this thing, this list in his head of what he should do for the show, but his list is off. Right. Because he's a weirdo. (laughs) Right. Right. So he's like, it would be like, you know, like, oh, I'm having a dinner party tonight. You know what I should do? I should run a rhinoceros. Like, like Mm -hmm. that's the structure of his brain. He's got the polite, good side of it. He's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Not quite. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, he's like, he's got the good impulse and the good side. But when he's over here, like doing the thing he thinks he should do, it's suitably weird to be interesting and funny and memorable, Mm -hmm. even though he thinks he's probably hitting straight hits a lot of time. And then everyone's like, it reminds me of one of my favorite stories of a musician ever, which was the Kristen Hirsch of the Throwing Muses, of Throwing Muses, which is an amazing band. But when they started out, they would play out for audiences, and then the lead singer and songwriter, she would come back and tell, ask the band like, "How was they, they?" She thought they were a surf music party band. Mm-hmm. But she was basically writing music like satanic Pearl Jam sounding. So when they would play out, the audiences would have horrified faces. And then she'd be like, they're not having a good time. And we're playing all this party music. And the band, or band finally turned and were like, do you think you're writing party music? <laughs> Hold up. Because you're not. <laughs> right? And I feel like that happens with Joe Bob sometimes where he thinks he's giving us a certain kind of episode. But what he's giving us is actually something so much more interestingly like off that he mm-hmm. meant and that's magic it's it, i wouldn't trade it for anything and this season i like what they did with scare package yeah that being one one of my favorite like i'm a big anthology dude and so how good are. anthologies dude are so hard nothing, to come by nothing feels like them nothing hits like an anthology it's but when it's right way. oh yeah i know and, and and scare package did it right i mean there's so many that just suck yep like you watch it and you're waiting for that one yep. like that one story to just really like yep. sell you on it Scare Package did it like, <laughs> like four times. Yeah, it's well. First of all, it sells itself out of the gate, which mm-hmm. is helpful. <laughs> some yeah, of, some of them start slow and then get better, but this one was hitting home runs right out of the gate. As a matter of fact, most of the strongest stuff in the whole movie, I think, are front loaded. I think you see a lot of the good stuff. Even the ones the that beginning. aren't that interesting, like the ones that I didn't really connect with, they're even they're still not bad. 
No, there's one fucking terrible one in there. <laughs> I can't remember which one, but I remember hating the shit out of one of them. But it's but but you're right. I mean, I think there, I think I think there was a lot of bad ones. The thing was, it was interesting enough because part of an anthology. Let's be honest, an anthology is the feeling of sitting around a campfire when someone's telling you a story. Right. And you want to be in a master storyteller's hands a lot of time. You want that John Houseman at the beginning of the fog perfect tone feeling like you know feeling like they've told this story a thousand times or whatever Mm -hmm. but you know there's also the friday the 13th style where the storyteller is leaving out important details and you might get killed while he's talking (laughs) the storyteller gets killed (laughs) right exactly something might break out like in real time and scare package felt like that it felt like it was like you were watching something and the next segment could be really amazing or really aggravating, but that was fun because right. And having Joe Bob in between all of yeah, those, totally. that was like the biggest change up episode yep. that they've did. And I yep. thought that was so refreshing. And like, I like, I remember we looked back at you like maybe like three or four times. And we were like, they should do this more often. Yeah. Well, I think the pandemic caused this. I don't think that was the plan for this movie to premiere in this way, but I do, I do. Th- if, I'm a, if I'm a horror filmmaker, dude, they're <laughs> right? like, you're going to premiere on the last drive. But yep. yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're scare package, that that's how probably, we do it. Probably exactly where they belonged, but you're totally right. And that, sh- to be honest with you, let's, let's, I, to give Joe Bob credit, because I don't think he gives himself enough credit. I think he undersells himself with his inner skepticism, like whatever. But that shouldn't work on paper. To have a host jumping in with segments in the middle of an anthology movie that has nine segments should not work. Right. Because <laughs> right. anthologies themselves do not work. <laughs> right. That should be frustrating <laughs> as shit. Right. But it should be broken up like like oh, six ways to Sunday. But this was not. Like, it, it, it was one of the better episodes, which is cool. No, I really... I really liked it. Yeah, kudos to that mm-hmm. whole like I, I I hate when it's off season. I love when it comes back. Like it's one of the few calendar things a horror fan. Can, I know they usually do through. like one or two special drive-ins. Like they did Christmas and then they did yep. uh, Halloween and Thanksgiving. So yep. hopefully we can still get those. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, and and honestly, we we haven't even touched on a big part of why the show works which is darcy right so mm-hmm. like and and to me when you have first of all there's this amazing unpredictability that's happening mm-hmm. like inside the show like every all the pieces that are moving in there are well she'll get like banned from twitter for commenting too right. much and so right it's <laughs> so like we follow her and then the back of account with the, to- the driving's going on totally and the other thing is i think it's i think to me it's interesting to see how everything is affecting the experience. There, I remember there was this moment inside of, of like, first of all, Hogzilla was amazing, right? Mm-hmm. That whole experience was amazing. But the, to me, what happens is you get this incredibly unpredictable moment where you think there might be a real argument happening in real time <laughs> right in front of you right. between two people who are supposed to be talking to you but might actually just be talking to each other mm-hmm. and forgetting that there's a show going on. And you don't get that feeling in many places anymore. Everything is so you know, it's so scr- produced. Yeah. Right, like, you're like, oh, they're faking it. No, yeah, no it feels there's like... There's a few times where you're like, <laughs> what's going on with this show? It feels show? like there might be real con- conflict or real like strong support. 
Mm-hmm. Like, and you don't get that feeling either. Like, when's the last time you were watching a show that had a like people like a panel basically, where two people on the panel you felt like were like ride or die so strong for each other, right? And you don't get that feeling. Like, where else are you getting that feeling in real time anywhere? Not many places. There's not like hardly any shows that give me the same feeling watching the last drive-in, right? Because like the countdown, like the hour-long countdown they do with the music, and then. It starts trending on Twitter. Yep. I still don't know why Shutter doesn't release like all their originals, Joe Bob style, like Creep Show. Yeah, that because Creep Show would come out like seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and we're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm asleep, dude. <laughs> Try again at like eight. Don't you eight, can't eight Creep night. Show me at this time of day. I, <laughs> that's hilarious. No, I love the show. Well, I, yeah, and here and the, I mean, last thing is honestly, the, I love. That it's built in the name. I love that the you one of when one of your strengths is unpredictability, and you literally had the word last in it because you thought the last the first time you did it mm-hmm. was going to be the last time this ever happened, and then it just keeps happening. It's pretty <laughs> it's, badass. It's absolutely amazing. Like there's something happening. There. It's pretty badass. And then the only other thing that we have to t- cover yes was Joel Schumacher. Ugh, that sucks. That's- well, it's it's sad, and then it just got sadder because he's one of those sneaky motherfuckers. Like I was sad when I heard about it. Then I started to look at what he really had done and what the movies. I kind of forgot he was the mm-hmm. person behind, and then I got sadder. Like that. I mean, that you know, to get sad is one thing, but then the next day to be worse. Yeah, when like, Robin Williams died, you knew what was gone. You're, you're like, right. all right, there goes the genie. Right. There goes Jumanji. Yep. Joel Schumacher. You're like, okay, there goes Lost Boys. Yep. There goes Batman and Robin, yeah. and then the next day you're like, falling down. <laughs> he did falling down? Right. Oh, that sucks. Like the, right. <laughs> I didn't know he did falling down. Right, and the fact that it turns out that he had such a pretty consistent aesthetic, which you don't get, right. you don't get much anymore, but a Joel no. Schumacher movie was a Joel Schumacher movie, you know, so th- there there was that as well it was it was pretty it was pretty sad but he's before your time so i, I mean you kind of not really i mean no. i mean i grew up with watching the v so like oh he was your batman yeah he that. was the batman so like we grew up watching tim burton's batman because like we already had those on vhs when we were kids but sure. like when it came to like new batman like i had more batman and robin toys growing up right like i had his batmobile in fact i i was when he died I, I was starting to think about uh, I was looking at all the Batman and Robin stuff and I forgot how much Batman and Robin merchandise I had over the two those oh, two no movies I, dude I had all the t-shirts I had all the toys I had Mr. Freeze wow. I even think I even think we had the um, I think Burger King had cups Batman had cups they yeah did. but we had those for like 10 years after the movie came out <laughs> yeah like <laughs> like the Lord of the Rings one like we just kept yeah, t- even like the, even like the McDonald's uh, Disneyland cups like we had yeah. this but I remember the Riddler one having the Riddler one and the Batman one yeah so like we had all that shit in fact someone even was on Twitter uh, well there's a lot of people on Twitter uh, <laughs> someone who said uh, controversial opinion Batman and Robin is better than The Dark Knight Rises and I know you love the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, no, that's they're not even close. But but I I can I mean I can see the I can but, see why but it like it, but like in my opinion like yeah. if you like I wanted to try to want to watch the Dark Knight Rises again. Right. I've only seen it once. I've seen the Dark Knight like twelve times. <laughs> that was such an interesting sentence. <laughs> yeah, like I can't I can't convince myself to trick myself to watch this movie because I I just didn't find it interesting. Right. But I was like, if you put like if you ask me right now, Batman Robin Dark Knight Rises. Oh yeah. 
I don't want to watch Batman. I mean, Batman and Robin is 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 so much more fun. But this is like comparing Jaws to Jaws 3D. Yeah, I know. The, 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 <laughs> right, the, like, the scale of quality, right, right. you know, diminishes. Right, right. But I think I think it's a testament to the But that's not obvious itself. with Joel Schumacher. Like, I, I, would, I would argue that almost any movie... I would argue that, I mean, Falling Down is considerably better than Dark Knight Rises. Right. Right? Like, he was capable of those kind of, like, heights, right? And I think Batman Forever is actually way better than people first thought it was when it came out. I still don't have a lot of hope for Batman and Robin. It's but, fun, though. But, but, also, but it I'll is t- fun. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I've only seen Lost Boys maybe twice. Right. But I've been to Santa Cruz. Actually, I've been to Santa Cruz twice. And every time I go there, I can't help but think of no, like fucking of vampires, not. dude. And it's of weird to be not. there. Right. Even like us, they're at the that that uh, boardwalk, yeah. and I'm still thinking of vampires <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> when I'm there. But I'll tell you, it's, you know that I'm, it's funny you, you saying that because it there there are s- large categories of people, and then there are small categories of people, right? Like the number of people on the planet who have ever been NFL football coaches has got to be like less than a thousand. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty elite kind of set. And th- I think the the myth makers, the people who made myths, like when you were in ancient Greece, like most of the people were like fishing and getting olives or doing, doing whatever they're doing, talking to Socrates. Making this gross uh, <laughs> dressing. I sent you a YouTuber tasting history. He yes. makes dishes from like yes. the science. Yes. Actually, wait, I think this was like a Roman fish sauce. Yes, but, but still, I can imagine it in Greece. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm just sure they had that. some terrible food, right? Yeah. So you have most people were doing that, but there was one person who looked up in the sky and was like, "That's where Zeus lives," and started telling the story about like Poseidon mm-hmm. and like, and we're still making movies with like people like Thor and like whatever, not Greek, but the same idea, right? So like, yeah. like there are there is a very small set of people who can make up stories and they become myths, right? right. Edgar Allan Poe was like that for horror, right? And and and. We, Joel Schumacher with Lost Boys, that movie is mythical. Right. <laughs> like, you made a myth. I don't care what anyone else says about you at any point. Like, that's like winning the Super Bowl. That's like a ring. Like, you, no one can take that away. Lost Boys was a myth for a generation plus, probably. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that movie had so many unforgettable moments and images and ideas and, like, no, there is you're in a really elite group when you do something like that and that's what he's done and I think more important than all that one for him we probably wouldn't have Seal's Kiss from a Rose <laughs> and that song is true legacy that song is great dude I remember <laughs> I remember they were always playing that song in the Warner Brothers store <laughs> Back in the day, you remember the worm? I do. They're like gremlins and shit. Oh my god! <laughs> on the rafters. I could picture the whole yeah. story. You walk in there, da 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 da. da. <laughs> You're like, there it is. That is so There's true. Seal. That was everywhere. So Holy I think he spent. I think he spent quite. So a he lot. gave us that too, and uh, not, not. But he also gave us the completely. You know, it, you don't get to give this weird award as a description to a movie often, but. The restless falling down. That movie is restless. That movie will not stay in 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 one category or one, you know, stance. Like when I when I first saw that movie, compared to how I feel about that movie now, is so miles apart. Let me ask right? a question. Mm-hmm. When it comes to white dudes going angry, mm-hmm. which do you prefer, falling down or Joker? Uh, falling down. Wow. Like, like, and I, you know, the thing is, I really like Joker. Like, I, that's not, it's, it's not a knock against Joker. It's just more that 
I think it, first of all, I think falling down is more interesting. Like just mm-hmm. from the, whatever, even the poster is great. The message, <laughs> the post, the post, <laughs> just the city behind the poster them. is great. But like I was just saying about making myths, I mean, mm-hmm. there were so that I've talked about this on this podcast so many times, but there are so many movies that were really good, right. That I walk out of. And if you ask me, to picture scenes from them two weeks later, one or two scenes might come to mind, right? But Falling Down was one of those movies where every scene came to mind. Right. Like when you walked out of that movie and you thought about it the week after, any scene you could randomly just, you could have just gone up to someone who'd seen Falling Down and a week later been like, golf cart scene, right? And they'd be like, I know. <laughs> and there, you know how many times growing up, I'm glad, I'm glad McDonald's and all them finally got their issues in order. But how many times, like, I would wake up and be like, I can, I can make it. Right. I can make it. And then I roll up to McDonald's and it's the fucking lunch menu. I'm right? like, it is 11. Right. You serve breakfast till noon <laughs> right. like a normal person. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Lunch is like, for one o'clock. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. There was an old saying by, there was a Russian writer named uh, Nikolai Gogol. And he was like a, uh, he would, be, he would be like kind of their Tim Burton. Right. Mm-hmm. And they said about him that when you read his stories, your eyes became gogolized, they called it. You mm-hmm. saw the world like like through his eyes for two days after you read one of his books. Right. Like he 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 was the filter you saw things through. And I swear to God, like falling down, you couldn't go into a restaurant and get aggravated for the two years after you saw that movie without thinking of that dude standing there in that restaurant. Like the scene he was it's a movie just would just come into your head. Like it was an unstoppable force. So I gotta be honest, I can't even watch that scene without smelling like the fake cheese, <laughs> right? Like, the microwave biscuits, <laughs> right? <laughs> and get real hungry. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm starving right now. Uh, so R.I.P. So yeah, Joel Schumacher. Much late. That was kind of. It was really a kind of an unexpected death too. It was. I it, mean, it was. I mean, it, I guess every. That is not a really expensive. I don't even know how old he was. Probably 79, 80, I think. I don't so. know. I mean, he I looked think, old, but I he's always he... looked old. That's, yeah, <laughs> I think that's why it's, it, it was shocking to me. Because like, there's some people who just... Like my pap, he always looked old. Right. Like There's photos of me, like right. fresh born, like a day old. I'm like, he looks like he's 80. And then he, he dies, and he looks like he's 80. I'm like, how did, <laughs> how did you... How were you 80 well, for you were, 25 yeah, you were, you were 80 years? The whole time. But it's, you're right. It isn't unexpected, especially since... Like we were talking, Bob Dylan, as we speak, recording this, just dropped a new album. He, I think he's the same age Joel Schumacher was. Like, you don't, until, until you hear someone sick or whatever, nowadays, you don't yeah, nowadays, they might be up to something. Yeah. Like Bob Dylan. Kim like, Jong-un was dead for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then he pulled a fast one. It's crazy. <laughs> We got to end on that. That's yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, you know what? <laughs> Don't kill us. Give us a review on iTunes. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Stay scary. Watch a horror movie. Watch a horror movie. See you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>